chance for some individual prayer as well. Um, but for the first couple hours, we'll be doing some teaching and impartation. So, so really glad you're all here because God is here. And he so loves every single one of us. And um, we'll bring, be bringing some teaching today to help you receive healing and also to help you keep your healing. Because how many of you know God is always moving on our lives? He's always pouring out his love. He's always bringing new understanding and revelation. But he's always doing it in a, di- in a new way, in a different way. And he is doing it, and we are learning to receive all the good things he has to pour out upon us. So um, let me just open in prayer, and then um, we'll just launch in, okay? So Jesus, I thank you so much that you're here, that you love us so deeply. Beyond anything we can imagine, your love is so high, so deep, so wide. Your love is so beyond what our brains can even begin to imagine. God who came to earth and chose us to be your habitation. During this season, while we're on this, in this phase, in the, on this planet... We are your chosen ones, God, and we're so grateful for that, that you chose us first, just because you love us so very, very much. And I pray, God, you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear what you have for each person today, because we know that you'll be speaking through the teachers, but you'll also be speaking directly into our hearts where you already dwell as one with us. So I just ask, we just invite your presence to come. We invite you to be yourself here and walk among us and reveal to us more and more the depths of your love your good, and your goodness to each one, Jesus. And in your mighty name, Jesus, that name that is above every other name, we pray, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So, yeah, I'm Susan, and I help lead the East Bay Healing Center. And we meet every third Saturday. Today's Saturday, right? So sometimes we have teaching time. Sometimes we just do times of individual prayer for whatever physical um, needs you might have. Um, But today we're going to do some teaching, because that also helps us. And often God will be just healing even during the teaching. There'll be, he is already here, present. Um, He can can come any way he wants, can't he? (laughs) So get ready to receive um, what he has for you today. So I want to right now invite Mary Cameron to come up to teach. Mary's been part of our team now for ever since we got started. Really, it's been, what, two and a half years, I think. It has. (laughs) And she's amazing. She does prison ministry. She has a strong background in doing healing ministry, seeing a lot of people healed. And you're going to really be blessed by what she brings today. So welcome her. Thank you, Mary. Thank you. 
Shall I pass out those? Uh, it's okay. We'll do it at the end. Of it, yeah. Hi. Well, I want to begin today by saying that um, you know that God did not leave us a single formula for healing, right? Some people have experienced their healing through Bill Dew's teaching method, five-step healing method. Some people have experienced healing through Dr. Susan's method, where she talks about all the different body parts and prays specifically for that. Some people have experienced their healing through sozo healing and Emmanuel prayers. Um, some people have experienced healing through, like, immediate, miraculous healing. And some people have experienced it through medical um, discoveries that God has allowed the doctors and the, and the medical field to, to just get through their discoveries that God has, has dropped into their minds. And some of us haven't... Uh, experienced our healings yet but there's no formula that we have that we can say abracadabra and this is what we get healed and this is the way we do it so if you look at different healings in the bible there were different ways that jesus healed sometimes he spoke just a word or two like he'd say little girl get up Sometimes he had to pray more than once. I like those prayers because I have to pray more than once sometimes. The persistent prayer, like when he prayed for the man, the blind man, and he said, well, what do you see? And he said, well, I, I see people, but they look like tree stumps walking around. You remember that one? And he had to pray again. Sometimes it took a touch from Jesus, and sometimes he told us it took fasting. Sometimes it didn't even require his physical presence. He could just say something and somebody far away was healed. So usually people with the gift of healing, people, speakers that we've had here, have their own particular methods um, because that's worked for them. But it, it's God and his son Jesus who does the healing, right? Since each person is different, it makes it hard for us to know how to be healed. We just want this magical, do this and you'll be healed. But it just doesn't work that way. So today I'm going to add to your healing repertoire of things to think about by talking about praise and worship and its relationship to healing and its importance to healing. I'm going to tell you about um, an experience I had not more than a month or so ago at our church, Valley Christian, in Dublin here. We have two services each morning. The first one is an hour of worship through praise and, and um, singing and prayer. And then the second hour, it just kind of moves right into more singing and prayer. And that's the more traditional service that you hear the announcements and the sermon. Well, I'd stepped out in between the services and came back. And um, as I was walking back in, I saw this lady at the at the back of the church and she was facing out toward the windows and the Lord just said go pray with her she seemed to be in distress and when the spirit told me go pray with her I, I you know he knew that I was gonna do what he said how many of you know that it doesn't you don't have to be the pastor of a church for the spirit to, to speak to you you don't have to be the bible study leader you don't have to be the worship leader you just need to be submissive 
in what he's going to ask you to do, and he's going to talk to you. So it's really good when he uses us, but I digress here. So I went over to the... (laughs) So I went over to the lady, and I started asking her what's wrong. She says she has a migraine, a really bad migraine. She couldn't even look at the, at the stage where the worship was. And so we began to pray. And just after a few minutes, she says, you know, it, you want to hear something funny? The pain's not in my head anymore. It's moved my jaw. If you've come to the East Bay Healing Center for a while, You've heard that that may be a spirit when the pain moves around. It may be a spirit trying to hide because Jesus wants to get rid of it. So we began praying that way for Jesus to remove that spirit of pain. Meanwhile, the whole congregation, the leadership, the worship was, was going on here. The whole congregation was standing and praising God to their Hearts, they were just crying out in heartfelt praise and thanks. And, uh, and so I checked back in with her. I said, how's it going? How's the pain? Is the pain gone? She says, no, but that's okay. She wanted me to feel better. She said, that's okay. And I just, you know, in my spirit, I just said, no, that's not okay. And I said, and I just heard from the Lord, just praise me. And so that's what we started doing. We started giving him praise for who he is, not what he, she wants him to do, what we want him to do, but for what he's already done, for who he is, for how much he loves us, for creation. We just started praising him. And then, okay, after a few minutes, maybe five, ten minutes of that, I said, okay, time to pray again. And, and we started praying again. And within a minute, she says, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness. The pain is gone. Yeah. So we praise some more. I do believe that the formula for that morning was praise and worship for healing. Yeah. Praise to God the Father. Praise to his selfless son, Jesus. And praise to their spirit who stays with us. There's a man named Andrew Womack. He says, living a life of praise is not only the most enjoyable way to live, but it's also one of the most powerful ways to change your life. Praise isn't like the caboose that just follows what happens, (laughs) but it's more like the engine that drives things to happen. We have so much to praise God for, and there's great power in giving him that praise. The Bible has examples of praise before miracles happened. Life-changing miracles. Stories of the enemies being defeated before battle. Like in Judges 6 and 7, where uh, Gideon took his little army of 300 and went against the Midianites' army of 135,000. And the Lord had told them, you go out, you lift your um, lantern, And you blow your trumpet as loud as you can. And you say, a sword for the Lord. And that's exactly what they did. And do you know what happened? Do you remember what happened? The other, what happened? Tell me, who remembers? They started, the other army started killing each other. And wiped 
themselves out completely. Praising the Lord before the battle had begun defeated the enemy on that day. And pain and sickness are our enemies, right? So maybe we should be praising the Lord before we start asking him to do something for us like healing. Do you remember when the walls surrounding Jericho came down? What were the people doing before then? For six days, what did they do? They worshiped, proclaimed, they, they walked around, right, blowing their trumpets for the glory of the Lord. And on the seventh day, shouting at the top of their lungs. The word for war cry in verse 10 was a word that translates to shout in triumph with religious impulse. That was praise and worship before a miracle happened. Do you remember Acts 16 when Paul and Silas were in prison? And there was an earthquake, and they were all chained up, and the earthquake released them from their chains. What had they been doing right before the earthquake happened? Praising and worshiping, right? And singing praises to God. Yeah. Praise and worship is a powerful tool. Do you remember words of praise and honor being given to Jesus by the centurion whose servant was sick? The centurion told Jesus that he understood the power that Jesus had. That's praise and worship when you acknowledge who Jesus is. And the servant was healed. That was praise and worship before a miracle happened. Do you remember in Luke 5 when Peter and the other men had fished all night and hadn't caught anything? And Jesus told them to let their nets down on the other side of the boat. And what did Peter say? Master, we've fished all night and haven't caught anything. In other words, I'm the fisherman, this is my job. But Master, because you say so, we will let our nets down again. And you remember what happened. They caught so much fish that their nets broke. That's verbal honor and submission given to Jesus, and that's worship. So honor and worship happened before a miracle happened. Second Chronicles 20 gives us another example of people needing a miracle in battle. In the story of Jehoshaphat, we see God miraculously defeat the enemy because of the people's praise to him. Verses 20, 20, uh, 21, 22 says, Jehoshaphat anoint, appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. And as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. Our battle may be sickness or pain. The prescription is the same. We praise the Lord. We give him our honor and our worship because he's worthy and he's able. Notice none of these examples, with the exception of Jericho, were hours or days long. A lot of times they were just, 
you know, moment, heartfelt moments of praise and worship to Jesus. Praise and adoration with the right heart is a mighty tool. Yet the reality is, way too often, when we go to give praise, our daily struggles and the constant battles that we have in life, they seem to pull our attention away. We get distracted. Um, we, we get distant. We sing the words when we're at church. We listen to the music. But are our hearts really engaged? Do we praise him with the core of our being? Jesus quoted from Isaiah when he said, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their hearts were far from God, and therefore their worship was in vain. I love it when I come with an expectation of worshiping. I get so much more out of it. When I long to connect with him, it elevates my worship. To engage our hearts may bring healing through worship, whether it's spiritual or physical or emotional. But sometimes it's a real sacrifice. We may not feel like it. We're struggling. We may be weary. We may feel like he let us down. We think God is distant, that he doesn't really care. Painful life blows may send us spiraling. I've been there. I've been there for almost a year where, you know, you're too far away. I'm not going to worship you. <clears throat> God was distant, and he wasn't acting like I thought God should act. <laughs> kind of a conceited attitude, which I wouldn't recommend, but nevertheless, <laughs> nevertheless, I was there. What made a difference is I had to decide that I was going to praise and worship him just like Job did, acknowledge that he is God and he is worthy to be praised no matter what's going on now. He is worthy to be praised for all that he's done in the past. No matter what's staring us in the face. When we make that decision to honor him because he loves us for no other reason, and I do believe that with all my heart. Then we suddenly realize that God is beginning to release that vice-like grip that we have on our hearts. And that power over us is, is released. There's power in our acknowledgement that he is worthy above all else. No matter what. So I chose to give up my demand of, of figuring out why, of him giving me an answer why. I chose to be submissive to worshiping him. Because I, I don't think that God causes the bad things. I really don't. In John 10.10, 10, it says, Satan's the one that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But he has come that we might have life and have it abundantly, Right? He's the one, James 1.17, that sends every good and perfect gift. 
I chose to believe in his love for me and us. And I chose to change my attitude toward him. A sacrifice of praise is something that we bring not only in the good times, but also in the times of sorrow. You know, one of the greatest misconceptions about praise is that we do it for God. But really, that's, that's, nothing could be further from the truth. He knows that it's good for us. And praise has the ability to lighten our hearts and fill us with that sense of love and security that can only come from the throne room. So if we take a step toward praise, even when we don't feel like it, that's when we will eventually feel God's arms around us, his love toward us, and that's what will bring the healing. If he never did another miracle again, he is worthy to be praised. I believe that he will, of course, do more miracles because he loves us. He's worthy to be praised because he saved us. He's given us an opportunity to know him. Look at the beautiful gifts that he gives us each day. Think about your most favorite place. Is it a mountain or is it a lake or is it a beach? Think about the love he has for us to leave us with gifts so beautiful that we are in awe of his power every single day. Psalms 18.3 tells us to praise him, for he is worthy to be praised. Our deepest gratitude, honor, and glory belong to the Lord. Doesn't matter how good we can sing, if we like the slow hymns, if we like the upbeat praise songs, if there's just a couple of us, or if there's a whole bunch of us. What matters is that our hearts are in tune with him giving worship to him like the heavenly beings. Debbie McDaniel has written about eight things that the power of praise can do. And all of these things are good for us to prepare us for a physical healing. Number one, praise gets our focus off of ourselves and back on God. We may know that life isn't all about us, but sometimes we get pretty selfish, right? And praising will turn our eyes back to the one who has something to do with our healing. Number two, praise brings us to a place of humility. We remember our dependency on him, our need for him. We recognize we're not in control. Number three, praise makes the enemy flee. And sickness is is our enemy. Number four, praise leaves no room for complaining, negativity, or fear. I remember one time my husband was going to the doctor, and it could have been something that would have been pretty serious. And I don't even remember what it is now. But I remember that I was praying in fear. And God showed me that. And then all of a sudden I stop and I say, no, my God is powerful. And I started reminding myself of all the things that he has created and the power that it took. I thought about the planets just hanging up there in the sky. And then, I, and then I reminded myself to know he loves us. If someone so powerful 
loves me, then he can take care of what concerns me. And I started praying in faith, not fear, and praising him. And by the way, my husband came home, and everything was just fine. (laughs) Number five, praise makes room for God's blessing over our lives. When we start praying, we open up a new spiritual realm. Number six, praise invites his presence. God comes close to us when we praise him. One of my favorite scriptures is Psalm 22.3 in, in the King James Version. It says, God, God inhabits the praises of his people. So when we're praising him, God is right there with us. Number seven, our spirits are refreshed and renewed in his presence. Number eight, praise paves the way for God's power to be displayed and miracles happen. We get into the presence of the Lord, just like I did when I was praying for my husband. And that's when miracles happen. I want to tell you about a healing that I had in my own life and, and the role that praise had in it. About 15 years ago, I'd been feeling bad for like five weeks, and so bad I was on the couch <clears throat> for most of that time. And I had a kidney stone that was stuck, and everything was backing up, and the doctors hadn't, didn't diagnose it for quite a while. <clears throat> Even <clears throat> excuse me, when they did, I was still sick, and they tried different things. And I had a housekeeper at the time, and she brought over a CD, and it was called Fresh Oil. And she put it on for me to listen to while she was cleaning. And as it was playing, I just remember saying, oh, God, I need some fresh oil. I wasn't down on my knees. I wasn't praising him with my hands held up. I just said, oh, Lord, I need some fresh oil. And, you know, he let me see the face of Jesus at that moment. And if you're as old as I am, you remember the the pictures in all the churches that I went into, they had this, this picture of Jesus, and he was looking up in serenity, and he had a halo behind him, and he had the long, wavy, brown hair. It didn't look anything like that, the face of Jesus that I saw that day. The face that I saw was bawling over me and my distress in my pain, and my sickness. He was bawling. There weren't little tears running down his face. But he was yelling, and the spittle was running down his beard. He was in such distress over how I was feeling. How many times have you heard, Jesus loves you? Raise your hand if it's been a thousand times probably in your life thousand times. For me, it was more than that even. It was probably 10,000 times I've heard, Jesus loves you. But at that moment, it internalized for me. I knew how much he loved me, and I knew how much he loved everybody else just through that seeing his face and how he felt over me and what I was going through. And that's when I was 100% convinced. It wasn't just a saying. And for some of you that have been going through sickness for a, a long time, 
He's been bawling over you and what you've been going through. He doesn't want any of his precious loved ones in pain or hurting. Well, that was a beautiful, fresh anointing for me, for sure. But it wasn't a healing. I wasn't healed yet. My heart was sure changed, though. The next night, we went to the healing rooms uh, in San Ramon, the one that we were involved in at the time. And I was telling everybody, do you know how much Jesus loves us? Do you know what I saw last night? He loves us all so much. I was praising him all to everybody that would listen, not for his healing power because I wasn't healed, but I was praising him for his love for us. And then I got prayer. And because the pain wasn't constant, I, I, you know, I couldn't tell if I was healed immediately or not. So I get up from the room and I walk out and go back and sit down. I'm thinking, oh, it doesn't kind of, it really doesn't hurt to sit that way anymore. And I walked out later and I was bumping on the car on the way home. I thought, well, that doesn't hurt anymore. And the next, I was feeling pretty good when I went to sleep that night. But the next morning I wake up feeling great. And I'd already had a doctor's appointment with an Uh, an x-ray scheduled the next day. And so I went in, and the doctor says, well, your kidney stone's gone, and everything should be fine now. And I said, I know. Jesus healed me last night. He gave me a funny look. I was healed after giving praise to Jesus and getting prayer. After... Praising him, not for healing, but for just who he is. It's not a formula of I express my praise and he heals me. But we praise him because he's worth it. He desires to bless us more than we can imagine. And so we're going to do some healing prayer now before the break. But I want us to take a few minutes here and just do some corporate praising before we do some praying. So um, we've got some beautiful praise songs that we want to lift him up, and hopefully um, you know these, because I don't think we've got them on the... Do we have them on the screen? I think we will. Cool. And then before break, we're going to sing maybe three songs. And if if you... if you want to come up for prayer, it's fine. We're going to have some um, healing room team members up here. But wait until you've praised him a little while. Wait until you get into the presence of the Lord before you come up to get prayer. And then if there's too many people up here and you can't get prayer from us, just turn to somebody and say, will you pray for me? Because there's nothing magical about our prayers. We're all praying to the same God. So um, those of you who want prayer can come up after we've started prayer and worship and after you feel like you've gotten into the presence of the Lord. Okay, so let's just um, worship. And there's some uh, scriptures in the back. If you're not musical, if you don't get into the... into um, the Lord's presence by, by singing, then there's some scriptures back here that may be able to lead you in the back. Mal, would you help pass those out? Um, 
Mary Jo, will you pass some out too? And um, yeah, let's just one way or another see if we can get into the presence of the Lord with praise. Nothing compares. 
says it's a good thing to give thanks to the Lord. Amen.
Such a good reminder to who we are, who we really are. I mean, the praise starts here. It will never end. And how much we are just one with God. Did you feel the shift in the atmosphere? The more we engaged with worship and talked about it and just gave ourselves to adoring the one who adored us first, really. We're only giving back to him. I mean, we can't do this in our own strength. We're just giving back to him what he's already put inside of us. So here is Diane, and she's going to bring um, a little different piece that is also um, a, a huge part of who we are and what we need to receive our healing. So welcome, Diane. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. So nice to see all of you. And Mary, thank you very much. I really feel like when you were just teaching as we are praising God, you really opened up the space in our spirits to receive more of him. And um, so appreciate it. Thank you. That was a great teaching, wasn't it? 
Um, so I did in the back, there should be an outline um, called True Authority Comes From My Identity that I printed out. Thank you, Susan. Susan will pass it out. Um, so I just want to give you a little background about me. Some of you have heard some of my story already. So anyway, my name is Diane Jung, and I have two kids and a hubby. And um, <laughs> pretty much lived in the Bay Area my whole life around here. Um, and my journey has led me to healing because I have experienced um, physical healing. I've experienced emotional healing. And um, I have gone through some sufferings and hard times too. But through all of it, I believe that it was God's journey with me because he wanted me to go deeper with him. And he wanted me to understand and have a, a greater revelation of my identity as a daughter of him and how I am adopted and enfolded in his family. And I'm still processing it, okay? So, you know, it's, it's, it's a journey. That's what I kind of wanted just to tell you in the first place, okay? So I'm going to just start with... Um, I became a believer, um, gosh, when I was in seventh grade, so I'm not going to tell you how many years that was ago. You can guess. I'm 21, by the way, so. <laughs> anyway, um, the Lord um, had, had led me through many different types of denominations and churches, which I really value, Catholic, Methodist, Baptist, you know, um, blazing fire and I, I just want to say ahead of time that I that I honor all of these denominations because God used every single church to get me to where I'm at right now. And so I'm gonna say in, in about nineteen eighty nine or nineteen ninety um, I got married and I was having a lot of physical symptoms that they could not diagnose me. And I, I believe it was chronic fatigue syndrome at that time. And what happened was within that year, I was newly married. I had to quit my job. And my identity crisis happened. I was very much in a place where I felt a lot of shame because I could not work and I didn't know how I was going to be a wife to my husband. And I didn't know who I was. You know, I had been a Christian for a long, long time. And I was at a point where I was, I was at my wit's end. And I was going to doctors, and there was not really any diagnosis. And it was, it was a lonely time, people. I have to admit, you know, I felt very alone. And... And so what, what happened was um, we started going through counseling, and the Lord really used that to open up my heart to issues that I never really looked at in my life. And from there, I just had um, a greater hunger to get to know Jesus. 
it, it just, I, I didn't have anybody else to turn to. The world had no answers for me, nobody. And so I started looking deeper into Jesus. And at that time, I, I wasn't brought up with the gifts of the spirit. So I didn't know if healing was for today. But let me tell you, I soon found out. <laughs> um, so because of my hunger for searching for Jesus in this area, he led me to people and to churches and friends and family, family that um, ministered to me. And I started on this journey with the Holy Spirit, and he led me into deeper areas of my heart, and he led me into a revelation of Jesus' love for me, but Father God and who he was in my life and how much he really valued who I was. And I started to, to really, um, I started to have this, like, synergy with him that I never felt. I started to align myself, my mind, my spirit, and even my body started to align with, with who he really, you know, was thinking that I was. And, you know, when you get deeper with the Lord, how many of you know that your stuff can come up, <laughs> your issues can come up? And I didn't really know that, but <laughs> I found out real soon. <laughs> Because the deeper I got with him, the more he wanted me to give up. The more he wanted me to be healed. The more he wanted my heart. And he wanted me to make more space for him. So a lot of family issues were coming up with me. A lot of things in my past and when I was growing up, those things started to come up more and more. And I can honestly say that, that you know, it, it took several years or more of me going through inner healing, but yet what happened to me, but it, it matured me. It matured me in a way in which, you know, I, I started to go from, you know, who am I? And, you know, am I enough? Am I enough? Striving, you know, to, hey, you know, I'm, I'm starting to like myself. I can look in the mirror <laughs> And I could just go, mwah, you know, where really I couldn't do that before. <laughs> and so, so I just really, really um, want to just share with you. This is all more about sharing of, of some things that the Lord's been putting on my heart. So the Lord has this been really reverberating in me, John 15 passage, and it's a very familiar passage. For all of you who know it's about the vine. But before we start, I'd just like to pray. Holy Spirit, we just thank you that you are here. We thank you that the river of life is here. We thank you that you are revealing to each of us who Jesus is, who Father God is, and who you are. And I ask that you to take us deeper, even in these scriptures that we're going to be reading, even in the word of the Lord, that even if they're familiar, I pray for great revelation and light to come upon them, that they will go deeper into our spirits, into our soul, and into our minds, bringing transformation into all of us, all of us, so that we just want to be more in love with you. More in love with you. <laughs> 
So bring it on, Holy Spirit. We bring, we just love you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. So this is from the Passion Translation. And I'm just going to read it, the whole thing. And then um, I'll use parts of it throughout the talk. It says, John 15, 1 through 8. I am a true sprouting vine, and the farmer who tends the vine is my father. He cares for the branches connected to me by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches and pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. The words I have spoken over you have already cleansed you. So you must remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to me. I am the sprouting vine, and you're my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. If a person is separated from me, he is discarded, such as branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire to be burned. But if you live in life union with me, and if my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire, and it will be done. When your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my Father. So Jesus is here, you know, is giving us a beautiful picture of Father God the gardener tending to us. Jesus is in the garden. Father God is doing everything he can to help us grow, to love us, to show his tender mercy. And Jesus is there beckoning us and saying, hey, come grow with me. Come be in union with me. Because that's where the life is. That's where the fruit is. And again, I just want to emphasize John 15, 4, when it talks about um, if you're separated, if we are separated from him, we have no power. There's no authority. And we're fruitless. And, and I know that, that we've heard that for, for years, but for me, I've, I've just been dwelling on that because there are times, honestly, when I feel like I have to rev it up in me, you know, in order to get something done. Um, we can be gifted, right? We all have different giftings. And God uses us regardless, Right, that's that's truth. But to have lasting, sustainable fruit, we have to have that continuous connection and building relationship with Him, to the real source of Jesus. All right, we can we can have the gifting, but our character needs to mature also. All right, um, and if our character even in me, and we see it in other people, doesn't match the gifting, then the gifting becomes our identity, and we start flowing in that. And then we think it's Jesus, but it's really we're doing it for our own glory. Okay. So that is, that is what I really want to just kind of talk about today. So it's our identity being wrapped in what we do 
That's what happens, and we start to glorify ourselves. It's not, we're not answering the question, who do we belong to? Because we do belong to Jesus. We belong to Father God. And when that becomes our identity, then God gets glorified. That's where true authority is. Um, yeah, so I kind of wanted to, uh, let's go into the next section about adoption and the orphan spirit. So I, I have a little confession to make to you guys. I haven't spoken in a while, and it started bringing up my issues. <laughs> Hallelujah! Because <laughs> God wanted to do something in me. <laughs> right? Um, yeah. I, there's some old issues in me, and one of them is um, I tend to compare myself. But that comes, the root cause of that comes from because I'm not enough. Okay, it's, it's a lie. It's a belief that, oh, are they going to like me? You know, am I, am I doing enough? I, I don't know, you know. And, and then I start to get wrapped up into that. I start that and in God. And so, you know, I was kind of like a little bit freaking out, a little, you know, trying to get this together. And finally, I took Mary's advice before she even preached. I put on worship music, <laughs> and I'm just, I'm just sitting there listening, and all of a sudden, I see myself in the sanctuary of Jesus, and I see Jesus in front of me, and I go up to him, and his heart is wide open, and I go right into his heart. And I'm being cradled in his heart. And I just feel this safetiness. I feel this protection. I feel this security. Um, and, and, you know, his heart's rocking me like this. It doesn't make sense, I know. But, but to me, what I felt and what I really, really took into all of me was the fact that no matter what, this dude loves me. You know, I'm not going anywhere. Because he's got me. And I you know, call that an Emmanuel moment, which later on we'll be doing. But for me, what that did was it switched my perspective, right? Off of me, onto Jesus, onto who I belong to, onto I am the daughter, you know, and I am the beloved. And, and it did. It just really, really helped calm me down. And by the way, I'm just making a plug here. Um, I'm going to just touch upon some uh, emotional issues, but I would highly recommend that you go to our website, ebhealing.org, and you watch Susan Folkler's video on inner healing and deliverance. I think it's a two-parter on there. But um, she goes way more into depth about some of the issues that we're going to be talking about today. So just want to plug that. Um, Okay, so what is an orphan spirit? According to Leif Hetlin, it's a person not living with security, love, value, or purpose. Okay? And as I just shared, when we feel that way, 
then we start living and making our decisions out of that part of us that feels that way. And we start seeing life that way. Um, some of the root causes um, that I'm going to just touch upon is the first one is trauma. And that usually happens when there's a physical abuse, emotional abuse, or neglect. In my case, growing up, um, one of my parents was not able to give emotional support because they did not get some emotional, emotional support from their family, right? So it's not to blame. It is just a state of fact that when there's a lack of something and it's not passed down, that person has no capacity to give it on to you. So because that was withheld from me, I felt like I could not measure up. I felt like I was lacking something. I felt like that, that started this whole lie within me that, that I'll never be good enough. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a very common. It's very common. And um, it, trauma happens in all of us. And sometimes the younger it, hap it happens, like for me, it happened very young. It could stay with you for a while. Um, but God, God's in his graciousness, you know. God in his graciousness, he heals no matter when it happened in your life. And praise God for that. Um, generational curses, what I mean by that is things can get passed down. It's kind of like alcoholism and addiction sometimes. You've seen it in family lines, and it just gets passed down. Well, I believe the orphan spirit, too, can get passed down. It's because what's modeled to you, right? Um, it's, it could just be passed down through that way. Um, unforgiveness and bitterness. Um, I know that in my life, I could not forgive myself. That was part of the shame. I was self-condemning to myself. If I made a mistake, I could not let it go. It was very difficult because I took it into me saying I was a mistake. Okay. So in, the, in that way, that was a hindrance. I, God was, you know, his love was trying to come in that area. And I was like, I, I can't even accept your forgiveness for me, God. You know, if I alone cannot even forgive myself. So um, that, was, that was something that the Lord dealt with over the years. Um, bitterness, bitter roots is where um, you can hold on to something for a long time. And it, it really can cloud your judgment. So there's somebody, um, there's a relative that whenever she... She would talk about a, another family member. She would talk very, very negatively all the time, all the time. This person has been dead for many years, but she talks like they're alive. That's, to me, bitterness. And that, that to me, is, is really, really harmful. Um, so, again, we talked about lies. So what happens is lies come, and for me, you know, it comes into the, some of these thoughts. I don't know if you hear these thoughts. It's like, I'm not enough. I have to do more. 
I feel so alone, abandoned, and no one's going to come to help me. I am a mistake. No one will love me. If I don't, if I can't be perfect, people are going to reject me. Does that, does that ring true with anybody? Oh, okay, I'm not the only one. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not the only one. <laughs> I'm in good company. Um, yeah, so for me, this manifestation of the orphan spirit created all these lies all those years. And it actually stunted me and it prevented me from receiving my fullness in my daughtership with the Lord. And um, I wasn't, I was living with it for so long, we call it like it becomes a familiar spirit, right? So you can have different situations but the same reaction to it. So because that's all I knew. That's all I knew how to respond because I was living that lie down here and I was looking at it from this life and so I would make the decision from that lie. Um, but praise God. Amen. Praise God, I tell you, I got some freedom from that. I did. And, um, and another um, one for me has been fear because I felt like I was not enough. I was always fearful or worried. Um, things weren't going to get resolved. Things weren't going to go my way. God was not going to take care of me. Um, I'm just being honest, people. You know, it, and still sometimes do, does crop up. And it's, like I said, it's a journey. But boy, um, I've found a lot of freedom in just sitting at his feet, abiding, trying to remain with him and, and letting him, even when he brings up some of the worst things in my life, some of the shame, he's so gentle and kind, lets me surrender it to him. And the exchange that takes place is I get a peace that passes all understanding. It bypasses my mind, goes straight to my spirit, And I can look in the mirror and go, mwah, <laughs> because of what he's done. Yeah. So at this time, I would like to ask my good friend, Mary Jo, to come up and give a little testimony. Let's welcome Mary Jo. Thank you, darling. Um. My testimony is kind of similar to D Diane's um, in that I really, for many, many years, had an orphan spirit, and, um, and I'm just going to talk about um, how God is so good. So I think at the, my worst, um, I have um, these generational diseases. I've had them for 30 years. They're um, autoimmune diseases. So um, for 30 years... Like at my worst, um, it's one of them's interstitial cystitis. It's like having a bladder infection, and so I'd have to go to the bathroom every 10 or 15 minutes, so I would get no sleep. And then IBS, same thing, but a different area. So um, at my worst, I was seeing eight different doctors, and I was on eight different medications. And the last one they put me on was an antidepressant. 
which got me really depressed. I don't know why, but they do. And so I began to seriously think, I'm in pain every single day. I just want to die. Lord, just take me now because I cannot deal with this pain anymore. And I really, really, really wanted to die. And at, and at that moment of desperation, God told me to call my friend Suzanne. And she came over. And she prayed with me. And that was the beginning of my healing journal journey. And I want to say I really wish that God had instantaneously healed me. But my journey was not. That was not for me. He took me to learn a lot more about what was causing my pain. And I didn't realize it, but I did have an orphan spirit. Some of the traumas that I had as a child, I remember being thrown down the stairs or I remember being, you know, abused. Um, again, my my family didn't know. They were not loved the way they should have been loved. Um, as a very young child, I was um, exposed to a flasher. I mean, again, all this trauma, I didn't know. And so I just internalized it and I felt unloved, and I felt abandoned, and I felt abandoned, and I felt abandoned, and so alone. So, but what happened was, through the amazing testimony of God and Jesus, he put so many caring people in my life. I mean, Sozo was amazing, because, I mean, Susan, I highly recommend that, taking me to places where I was able to heal and let go of all this pain, and to realize that God loves me because I'm me. I don't have to do anything, you know? And so, and then I had many people in this church. I mean, Suzanne and Brent prayed for me, and the healing team, and Diane's prayed for me. And I'm on no medication right now, so yay! <laughs> and so, but, but I've had to forgive a lot of people, and I've had to forgive myself. And that, that was really painful to be able to, you know, let go you know, of the mistakes that I made. I made a lot of mistakes because I wanted love. I made a lot of dumb mistakes. But the Lord has healed me, and he's in the process of healing me. And I just want to say that that if you're feeling abandoned or hurt or any of these things, that God can heal. And it, it may be a process. It's been a process for me, and I'm sure it may be a process for a lot of people. But I just want to say thank you to all you people. Oh, my gosh, Mary Jo. Wasn't that just a wonderful testimony? Wow. Oh, wow. Praise God. Praise God. How many of you know when we hear testimonies, the faith level goes up? Yeah. yeah. Praise God. Praise God. Um, yeah. Wow. We can go on to um, talking a little bit about adoption here because that's the remedy for an orphan spirit. I'm going to read you Romans 8, 15 through 16. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty. I think in the NIV it means slave. Right? Leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance. In the NIV, it's adoption. Enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned. Again, you will never feel orphaned. 
For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved Father. Yeah. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. Oh, my goodness. I don't know how many times I've read that, but boy, every time I read it, the Lord just really, I feel his arms hug me even tighter. So I bless that over you right now. And as you read this, as you let the Lord hug you right now, let his arms come around you and let him put his face up to your face right now and let you feel his closeness. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you. Wow. 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 So I just wanted to illustrate this point of a story in my life about adoption. I told you I have two kids, Joshua and Rachel. Um, Rachel is adopted 16 years ago. We went through a journey where um, my husband and I, we decided, even though Joshua was not adopted, we decided that we were going to go through an adoption. So Joshua was like four years old, and we, we told him, we're, we're, you know, probably going to get a baby sister. So we didn't tell anybody, and then one day had some friends over eating dinner, and Joshua says out loud, (laughs) I'm going to get a baby sister. My mommy and daddy are working on it. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I started blushing, and I said, no, it's not what you think, okay? So so we, we, we told them. We told them about this adoption journey. And it was, an, it was exciting. Um, so we decided we would go through an agency for Korea. That, that, because we had other friends who have adopted through Korea. Um, we went through this process. And it's a long process. I would tell you it was probably about a year and a half. You know, from the time we started the process to when we actually received her. And we, see, we received her at six months. Um, you have to fill out a ton of paperwork. You have to let social workers into your house. You have to reveal private things about yourself. Um, financially, you have to be able to, to show them your financial records. You have to be, um, and, and it costs. It costs money to go through the adoption. And so we were willing to go through all of that just to get her. And so... Um, she came to us at six months. My husband, uh, Josh was little, so I stayed with him. My husband, my mother-in-law, flew over to Korea to get her. And she was in foster care. So um, with this agency, when the child is born, they had like a 100 families that were ready to take the child in as, for, as foster parents. And they foster them until they're released um, for the adoption. And my daughter was in a, a home where um, the foster mom was a believer. So I knew, 
I knew that she was getting, you know, fed a lot in her spirit. And um, I was very grateful. So Rachel comes to us at six months. But she's still not ours. She's still under the, um, under the um, agency's guardianship. And they still have to approve us. So you still have to go through the process. Finally, the process gets finished when we go to the judge. We had to go before a judge. And he, he had to rule that we were going to be her legal parents. And, and that's what happened. He ruled that she was legally ours. And so just to further the point of adoption, according to Romans 8, we chose Rachel. We wanted her. We are her real parents. We, she is legally, legally ours. And no one can ever tell me anything else. I've had people meaningful, who were mean, well-meaning, who feel like, felt like adoption was a dirty word, okay? It's not blood-related. Well, according to what God says, adoption is beautiful. Adoption is wonderful. And, you know, I bless those people because they, they were making it feel like adoption was a shameful thing. Um... And it's because of, you know, just how society is in some places, right? Um, so anyway, Rachel is enfolded into our family, and she is our daughter. She has the full rights. She has the authority to carry our name. She inherits everything that, that we have. She belongs. And so... My journey in this adoption has really solidified in me what it means for God to adopt us. The reality of that. Yeah. It's the most wonderful feeling to know you belong. Belong to a wonderful family. It's the most wonderful feeling to know that you have a Father God who'll do anything for you, will always be there for you, always. There's no doubt about it. Um, I just wanted to just um, finish off. With under benefits of adoption, there's the Passion Translation, Romans 8, 17, that says, And since we are his true, true children, we qualify to share all his treasures, for indeed we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. We experience being co-glorified with him, provided that we accept his sufferings as our own. And then I want to repeat John 15, 7 through 8. But if you live in life union with me, and if my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire, and it will be done. 
When your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my Father. So, in just summarizing, as we develop our deep intimacy with Jesus, of course, this develops our identity in him. This leads us into the process of maturity so that when the fruit appears, the Father gets glorified, right? We don't take the credit because we're not doing the things, the ministry, whatever we're doing because of, you know, oh, it's me. I got to do it, right? I got to strive. We're going to be doing it from a place of I belong to him. I belong to him. I have nothing to prove. I just have to be me the way he created me. I don't even have to do anything, and I am part of the family. I don't have to do anything, and I am the beloved. I don't have to do anything, and I'm the son and daughter of the Lord Most High. I just have to be. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what he's saying to us. So at this point, um, I'm going to have Susan come up here, and we're going to do some activation. It's okay. Oh, thank you, Diane. Yeah. So good. So good. Isn't that amazing to know before, <laughs> before we could do anything, we were already... In union with him. He already saw us as one with him. He already wanted us, right? Like all of you who've ever been a parent, you know, the moment that baby's born, it can't do a thing for you other than kind of being a lot of work. (laughs) But you already adore. You already adore that baby. Why? Why? Because it's yours flesh of your flesh born out of your own body just as we were born out of Jesus Christ because he came to earth that we would be joint heirs that we would be his brothers and his sisters one with him in the father and then the world starts telling us we should compare and measure and all those good things But the Lord says, ah, if you could only see what I see when I look at you. If you could only see how amazingly unique you are in me, unlike any other. He doesn't measure. He doesn't compare. He just pours his adoration out on us. So we all know he's already 100% here with us, one with us. But, there's, but sometimes in our flesh, we need help, and we need reminders, don't we? So there's ways in which we can position ourselves, even though we already know we're right here with him, but there's ways we can kind of position ourselves to feel that connection more strongly, right? And sometimes we need that. And sometimes that can help us release things to him that we didn't even know we were carrying, so we're going to do that. We call that an Emmanuel process where we get more connected with him. And then when we, we start recognizing we're carrying things, 
that aren't ours to carry. Because how many, with some of us just growing up, it was normal to feel heavy responsibility we weren't supposed to carry. It was normal to feel blamed. It was normal to feel guilty. It was normal to feel shamed. All those different things. Traumas of all kinds of different kinds. And sometimes just small, just little little things that just came again, like little, not, little bits of not quite enough, not quite measuring up. Um, of course, those, those thoughts, those, that never came from your Father in heaven. But, but the world, in the fallen world, and in, as Diane and um, Mary Jo were both referencing, you know, sometimes our parents just didn't do their own work, and they didn't know how to bless us. They didn't know how to open arm, accept us, and help us feel loved and accepted. They just didn't know, because they didn't do that for them, their own selves, which is really where this comes from. we got to do it for ourselves first, before we can do it for those around us, don't we? So if it's okay, does it sound okay that we can just spend a little time each one of you having your own connect, time of connection with Jesus. So I'm going to encourage you just to get comfortable and sit back and close your eyes if you're, if you're good with doing that. And we'll just see what he wants to do. So I'm just going to pray, Jesus, I thank you. You're already here. You are already sitting with each person in this room. We, we don't know how you do it. You're amazing, but you do it. Every person on this planet you're with, whether they know it or not, <laughs> how much more you are with your own kids who acknowledge you, who have chosen you in response to how you chose us first. So Jesus, I just ask that you would you would whisk away any distractions. I ask, Lord, that you would remind us, Lord, that veil's already rent. We're already one with you. There is nothing interfering with, a, with an immediate, intimate connection with you. Because you already paid everything. For any, every bit of, of weakness, every little piece missing in us, you've already compensated more than anything we could ever do in our own strength. Thank you, Jesus. It never depended on us. It never depended on us. It was never supposed to depend on us. Our job is to open the door when you knock. That's it. That's what we can do. That's all we can do. Yeah. So Jesus, I ask you just to move any 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 negative things out of the way right now. Just anything that is not of you, you would move aside for the rest of this session. And would you come, Holy Spirit, and fill this place with your presence? And we thank you now, Lord, for every ministering angel. We thank you for that, that river of life that's flowing out of every belly in this room <laughs> that's already ours, flowing from heavenly places. 
And right now, I ask you to remind each and every one of us of a, of a time we had a sweet connection with you, and this could be a time, and I'm, I'm just asking he would bring it to the forefront. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to fish for it. He will bring it to yeah, that um, image in, in, your, in your mind's eye, in your divine imagination. He will bring it forth. I just ask you, God, to remind all of us of a, of a special time we had with you. And would you refresh it and would you strengthen that time? And would you remind us, Lord, of where you were and what you were doing? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And would you remind us, Lord, what is it about that time of being with you that was particularly meaningful to us? What was it that we appreciated about being with you in that moment? And if you're aware of where he is, but you're feeling like you'd like to get a little closer, just ask him, Jesus, would you come a little closer? If you're getting a visual, just look at him. Look at his hands. Look all around. Get a sense of where you're at, how your body's feeling. If there's any tension in your body, just just let yourself relax even a little more. And let's ask him, Jesus, what do you want me to know about myself in this place?
And when I look, when you look at me, Jesus, what do you see? And Jesus, would you show me something about myself that I've never known before? And Jesus, will you show me, is there anything I'm carrying? Are there any worries? Are there any cares? Is there any anxiety? Any heaviness? Any weight of expectations? Anything at all I am carrying that is not mine to carry. Are there any parts of my life that I've not believed you were involved with? Or you weren't aware of? And Jesus, why would I not believe you were aware of these things? What is it you want me to know about yourself that I've not known before?
Would you show me how you could be that interested, that invested in my life? Sometimes we start picking up burdens, heaviness, worries, because it just seems so normal. It just seems like what we've always done and what we're always supposed to do. It just grows back so, so long, so long, long, long ago. A while back... um, I was ministering to a woman, and um, she had pain all over her body, all over her body, and she didn't really know why. Um, And when we asked her, when did this start, she realized it all had started when she was at work in an HR position, and they had to lay off literally half of the company. And she had to give every single person the bad news. So person after person after person after person. She had to let down. She had to disappoint. She had to sort of speak rejection to. And she had to take their, she took their pain on again and again and again. And as she realized how much Jesus loved her, how much he was willing to take all that. And she released it to him. Every bit of her pain went away. Because her body was just a reflection of what her soul was carrying. So if you're realizing as we've been doing this that you're carrying some things, some worries, some cares, and it could even go back, it could go back decades, because sometimes we're just so good. <laughs> we're just so good at, at going on and keeping on, and keeping on and keeping on, without even knowing. Without even knowing. I know I have. I have carried, like, guilt and responsibility that has done nothing but, but hurt me, without even sometimes realizing it. If you're realizing, if there's something coming up, the, the scripture Diane um, said earlier was that we experience being co-glorified with Jesus provided we accept his sufferings as our own well only because he first accepted our sufferings as his own we can't do that we cannot accept his sufferings as our own it's because he first did it for us we are doing it with him as he does it with us Right? That's the way that works. None of us carry his sufferings, but we are co-heirs. We are co-present. We are co-glorified with him, and only with him does, it, does this happen. So if you're carrying suffering, if you're carrying trauma, if you're carrying weight or responsibility, 
with Jesus right there with you. You know, this is the glory set before him to take your suffering. This is his joy. Do you know this gives him joy? This gives him joy to take your pain, your cares, and your burdens. So as you look upon him, as you sit in his presence, as you recognize how much he cares, how much he understands, <laughs> that smile on his face is like, ah, I can take it, you can't. I can take it, you can't. We can't. We're not designed to carry the weight of the world. He is. Wow. So as you look upon him, just you can just start releasing that trauma. You might feel it to start flowing to him. Just keep focusing on how much he cares, how much he understands, how much he's already one with you, one with you. And that he knows every moment of your life where you faced things so beyond you, you didn't have a clue what to do. He's like, I'm there. I'm there then. I'm here now. Let's let it go. Let's let it go. Just let it release. Because he knows. You'll feel a flow. Just, just let it go. Sometimes it takes a few minutes. Sometimes it just, it just goes. Thank you, Jesus. You understand each one of us from the inside out, through and through. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, thank you. You never meant for one of us to carry one bit of weight. Whoa, we agree that the light yoke for the heavy burden is ours. And as the weight's going, we ask God for some of those lies to go as well. Some of the reasoning of why we needed to be weighted down. Let that go too. Yeah, sounded so good. <laughs> nope, he's got a better way. He's got a higher truth. So. Jesus, you're so good, God. Yeah, I feel like it's still flowing for a few of you, so we're going to give it a couple more minutes. Just let it flow. And Lord, I'm going to ask that even as the pain left for that woman who was 
The same would be true for us. If there's any pain locked up in our bodies because of what our souls carried, would you take the pains? Because we don't owe anything. We don't owe anything to this stuff. We owe nothing. (laughs) It's all paid for. All paid for. Mm -mm. Yeah, yeah, all paid for. Sometimes we, we somehow feel like we deserve something. Oh, no, he took all that. He took it all. He took it all. He took it all. None of us measure up, and that's exactly right. That's it. He did. He did. He did. So, Lord, now I'm going to ask that you just start refreshing and refilling for everything that got, whoa. <laughs> everything that got emptied out. Woo! Would you fill us up again? Hey! <sighs> just kind of like take a deep drink, take a deep breath in. Of, Jesus, thank you, Lord. Yeah. Your inheritance is life and life abundant in him. Always enough. Always enough. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. How y'all doing? So I think um, we have a few more minutes, and what we're going to do is, um, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll we'll um, just spend a little bit of time of of praying over having the team come along come around and pray over those of you who would like to receive prayer. Does that sound okay? Um, And Diane's going to say a blessing over us before we do that. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to pray um, a blessing over you. So just stay in the place that you're at, and if you want to close your eyes, I want you to Just keep your eyes on Father God, and I'm going to be praying this blessing as though it's from Father God over you. I bless you with a deep heart identity as my very own child. I chose you to be mine. You are my heir, and everything I have is yours. I always look upon you with tenderness, and I cherish you with all my heart. 
I will always protect you and be your sanctuary. I want you to have a settled assurance that I have a future and a hope for you. That I have written your days in my book with love for your best interest. I, as your father, will make sure that you are abundantly provided for emotionally, physically, practically, mentally, and spiritually. My heart leaps for joy because of the pride I feel that you are part of my family. You are a tremendous blessing and a life giver of this world. You are the most wonderful and delightful daughter or son that I could have ever asked for. I love you with all my being. I treasure you with all my heart. Amen. 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 I declare that I am accepted, secure, and significant because. I am God's child. I am complete in Christ. I am united with the Lord, and I am one spirit with him. I am Christ's friend. I have been justified. I am God's co-worker. I am God's cultivated garden and the house he is building. I cannot be separated from the love of God. I have been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. I am God's workmanship. I am a citizen of heaven. I have been established, anointed, and sealed by God. 